I'm going to take a page out of Arash's playbook tonight and start with the story. I don't know if I'm a, as good of a storyteller as the Persian in the house, but anyway. Um, it was August of 2017, and um, my husband and I had just finished up two and a half weeks in Nigeria. And to get from Lagos to Philadelphia, we had to fly through London. We've discovered in our travels that it helps coming from a developing country to home that a couple of days to decompress is good and get used to not sweating all day long and get used to drinking the water and those sorts of things. So we decided to get out of the airport in London and spend a couple of days in London. Got an Airbnb got an Oyster card, which is their transport card to give you access to the tube and the double-decker buses and all kinds of cool things that London has with transport. And um, so one of the things we did was we went to a concert at St. Martin of the Fields Church, the Academy of St. Martin in the Fields Church. And coming out of there, my husband, who has a weak ankle, turned his ankle and we got back to the apartment, but he says to me that night, babe, I, I don't think I can do all the walking tomorrow. And I had, we had on the schedule something I really wanted to do, I had wanted to do for a long time. He said, you go ahead, I'll stay here, catch up on some emails and a little bit of work, and you go ahead, you know how to get there, it's safe. So I did. So I went to the Tower of London by myself, and there's a picture behind me, hopefully, coming up of the Tower of London. Um, this has a, about a thousand years of history. I also think, he's not here to defend himself, so even though he has a degree in history, his affection of history has a very narrow slice. And so, you know, if it had been visiting the Colosseum, he might have managed to hobble along, but... It was the Tower of London, so, nah. Um, but we had bought our tickets online. All we had to do is go to the ticket office and pick them up. And they were non-refundable, I had checked. So I went to the ticket office, and I'm a frugal soul. I don't like to waste money. Uh, so I went to the ticket office, and I got the two tickets. There was only one of me. And so I thought, well, maybe someone would like this ticket. So I looked around for someone who looked safe. <laughs> I've taught my children, when they were little at least, I taught them if you ever get a, if we're ever in a public place and you get separated from me, look for somebody with a uniform. If you can't find someone with a uniform, look for a woman with kids. So I found a woman with a stroller. <laughs> And I tentatively approached her, and I told her this story. Husband turned his ankle, bought the ticket, non-refundable. Would you like the ticket? And she looked at me like I had three heads and had just stepped off a UFO. Or maybe I had asked her for some money. And she looks at me, and she said, no, thank you. I think I'll do things the normal way. So, 
I don't know why, but I felt some sort of way. I felt rejected. I felt silly. I felt all these things. And I had just offered her like a, I don't know, $20 ticket. And um, so I did what any self-respecting introvert would do and put the ticket in my wallet and went to the turnstile. And I got a one for the price of two deal that day. So I had a wonderful day at the Tower of London, saw everything I wanted to see. Now, thinking about this, if she had taken the ticket, it was bought and it was paid for. She would have had to follow the rules to use the ticket. She would have had to present it to the people, let them tear it in half and give her a stub. She would have had to walk around the property um, read the signs if she wanted, climb some really narrow, twirly staircases, meet at a place for a tour with a f- guy in a funny hat, all the, all the things that a Tower of London day involve. But it was paid for, and that's all she had to do. But she wanted to do it the normal way. So... Often God wants to give us gifts, and we do a similar thing. Uh, No thanks, I'll do it the normal way. So tonight, I'm speaking on don't do things the normal way. Um, I was thinking about it, and it really stuck in my head. Why would someone turn something down that was free? And I remembered a, a... Thing that made me have a little more humility about the circumstance. When my kids were little, we had gone to a science museum in Baltimore. They have an awesome science museum, by the way, if you ever want to take your kids to one. It's down by the aquarium. Anyway, and it was a hot day. Cassandra was a baby, I was, so I had three kids in strollers. I don't even know how I did that, but um, probably took turns or something. Coming out, there was this these guys with an awning, it wasn't a full tent, but you know the awnings that you set up, keep the sun off of you, handing out water bottles. And I remember, even now, this long later, he, the guy handed me a water, uh, hand, put out a water bottle and said, would you like a water bottle? Would you like some water? And I said, no, no, thank you. Because, see, I wanted to do it the normal way. The normal way would have been to pay five bucks inside the science museum for a little bottle of water, but I didn't know. Okay, so that got me thinking, why would somebody refuse something that's free? So the next slide, why are we hesitant to receive gifts? And I did a little bit of research. This is a combination of Regina today and psychology today. Um, Don't blame them if it's wrong. But... Why are we hesitant to receive gifts? It shows up more with strangers, but that just shines a spotlight, I think, on what's already there inside of us. Some possible reasons, this is not an exhaustive list, but we lose control because somebody comes up to us out of the blue, tries to give us something, and it's not, as my title says, it's not the normal way. We're kind of taken aback and shocked, and we just kind of kick in the no thank you response. So control is something we are all seeking. I heard a a 
saying lately was when we were in Africa, and I've, I've used it several times since then. My dad has said before, the issue is not the issue. In other words, what seems to be the issue is not really the issue. But in Africa, I got tacked on this other little phrase, which is the issue is not the issue. The issue is control. Because just about anything that you're trying to get to the bottom of, what is going on here? There's probably some kernel, some seed of somebody, maybe me, maybe you, maybe somebody else is wanting control. We like to have our control. The other, another thing is I've never done it that way. I've never heard of that done. It's not the normal way. It's not what we're used to. It's not what we expected. This woman expected to walk up to the ticket office and pay her money and have it come out of her bank account and have a great day, and she was in control of the whole thing. She'd never done it that way. We've never done it that way. This next one is from Psychology Today. I wouldn't have thought of it, but giving actually creates intimacy, and receiving creates intimacy. Um, the, you know, the thing, it's more blessed to give than to receive. That can be turned a different way that it feels better sometimes even. We think we all want to receive, but we don't have as much control when we're receiving as when we're giving. So it, it kind of makes our intimacy in a relationship. You let go of the control. And this is hard if you've been hurt in the past, especially, to, to make that bond. Something we, uh, if anybody's received a spam call lately about a car warranty, has anybody gotten one of those? Yeah, it's free, it's probably not free, but you know, it's a great deal. So we all are trained to ask, are there strings attached? What do I have to do? These, these men that were handing out water bottles, I expected if I took their bottle, I was going to have to listen to a speech or a spiel or take a pamphlet or have them preach at me or something, and I didn't have time for that, so I turned them down. And, and this is really awful, but until they insisted that it was just free and here, have it, and then I took it and I felt really cheap. But anyway, I was really hot too, so. Um, but if there's strings, it, or it's the pressure to reciprocate. Um, Maybe it sounds too good to be true. Uh, it, it might sound kind of sketchy. And I was coming from Nigeria, but, so I might have been a little more hesitant. You know, the, the Nigerian prince email who is giving you a whole bunch of, if you'll just help him get this money out of his bank account, this kind of thing. Poor guy, nobody's helping him get his money out of his bank account. I don't know what's wrong, but... Some things just sound too good to be true, but Titus tells it that God cannot lie. So if he tells us something, it isn't too good to be true. And another piece of it is, is that we have an American independence, and we also believe it's selfish to receive. It's kind of a turned about, weird independence thing. And I, don't, I didn't know how to put a, put a word to it, but I think there's part of that in our culture. So I'm going to talk about three gifts tonight that God has given us, and there are many, many more, but I just picked out three. 
And I did this. I had this planned out before I studied for the small group lesson, so I want that disclaimer in there. I didn't. But it does fit. The first one is the gift of Sabbath. This is, we've been talking a lot about the Sabbath, so I won't dwell on this. But Sabbath is a gift. Um, the, the Bible verse that, or the Bible verses that I'm going to read come from the story of manna, where they, every morning got up and collected the manna. Until day six, they went out, and there was twice as much manna. They had instructions to collect twice as much manna, and they did. And then they were a little confused because they went out the next morning and there wasn't enough manna. So the next time around, they, they got it all twisted, and they wanted to work on the Sabbath day, and they couldn't understand. And Exodus 16:28 says, The Lord asked Moses, How long will these people refuse to obey my commands and instructions? They must realize that the Sabbath is the Lord's gift to you. This is why he gives you a two-day supply on the sixth day, so there will be enough for two days. On the Sabbath day, you must each stay in your place. Do not go out and pick up food on the seventh day. So the people did not gather any food on the seventh day. So going back to the list of possible reasons, why, do we, why are we hesitant to rest? Why are we hesitant to take a break? Um, we won't go through all of these, but I think one of the big ones is control. Because we're used to doing it, working for things and money and getting ahead. And if we stop, we're not used to that and we lose some control. It's not the normal way. It does sound sketchy. It's too good to be true that... If you work six days and rest one, that you'll be more productive than if you work seven days. But actually, and not that science proves everything in the Bible, or the Bible needs science to prove it, but research is bearing this out, that we do better with some rest. Um, even the business world is learning this. And they're saying, take a walk, take a nap, take a day off, take some time with your family, because when you come back, you're more productive. Um, and we also had this American work ethic, this drive, this independence that we don't want to be, maybe it's that we don't want to be selfish, maybe it's just that we're addicted to work, I don't know. Um, but that's the, the gift of the Sabbath, and it is a gift from God, and we need to take advantage of it. We need to receive it. The next gift I'm going to talk about is the gift of the Holy Spirit. This is a Pentecostal church, and even though I know it's leadership night, we do have, I know several kids here at least who have not received the Holy Ghost. And I put Holy Spirit because Holy Ghost freaks some new converts out, and it freaks kids out. It sounds very Halloween-ish, <laughs> and it shouldn't. It's just a Middle Ages way of saying spirit. It's receiving the divine being of God into your life, into yourself. Acts 2.38, if you've been around very long, you've heard it. Peter replied, each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Acts 10.45-47, through 47, the Jewish believers who came with Peter were amazed that the gift 
of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles too, for they heard them speaking in other tongues and praising God. Then Peter asked, Can anyone object to their being baptized now that they have received the Holy Spirit just as we did? Romans 6 tells us the gift of God is eternal life, and it comes through his spirit. Romans 8 says his spirit, this spirit that we receive gives us life even after death. So if you haven't experienced the infilling of the Holy Spirit, and you know that when you speak in a language you don't know, you want it. God is standing there with a ticket outstretched or a water bottle, whichever one you want. And all you have to do is receive it. And we are hesitant a lot of times to do that. Sometimes we don't quite know how it works. And again, you get back to the control thing. You don't have to get the Holy Ghost at the altar at church. I won't tell you who because it's not my story to tell, but within the past couple months, we had a mom call us and say, maybe it was a dad, uh, our child just received the Holy Ghost, just praying at home on the couch. And um, it doesn't have to be a big production. I've heard of people getting it in the bathroom. I've heard of people getting it um, sleeping, you know, in bed. I've heard of one person who was mowing the lawn on a riding lawnmower and received the Holy Spirit. Um, they actually kept hitting a, a rough patch, and they it got in their mind, this is like the devil. He's trying to mess me up, so I'm going to just mow him over. And I uh, got to thinking on that and praying and meditating and received the Holy Ghost while, he's, while he was mowing. Um, if you're driving, please pull over um, if, you, if you see this, feel this happening. But why are we hesitant? We could lose control. It's not the normal way. We haven't heard of that before. Maybe it's not what Grandma told us. Receiving it creates intimacy with a God that we don't have control of. And it, it's something that oh, it feels wonderful. But mm, I don't know about all that. So are there strings attached? Well, there are, but they're good strings. They're strings for your good. Just like when, if I had handed the lady the ticket, she would have had to do a few things to take advantage of that ticket. Um, God does ask us to do some things, but it's for our good, not just to have strings attached. It sounds sketchy. It does sound too good to be true that God himself could live inside of us. It sounds really way too good to be true, but it is true. So if you have not received the Holy Spirit into your life, into your body, um, please be, be aware of that, that you really do want. You want to receive that gift. And the last one I'm going to talk about is grace, the gift of grace. And grace is definitely a part of receiving the Holy Spirit. We cannot receive it without his grace, but his grace also applies to all of our lives, meaning the whole of our life. For the rest of our life, it is over and over and over again. It is, I would even say, constant, this need for God's grace and this receiving of his grace that he has offered. Romans 5, 15 through 17 
But there is a great difference between Adam's sin and God's gracious gift. For the sin is of one man, Adam, no, for the sin of one man, Adam, brought death to many. But even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of forgiveness to many through this other man, Jesus Christ. And the result of God's gracious gift is very different from the result of that one man's sin. For Adam's sin led to condemnation. But God's free gift leads to our being made right with God, even though we are guilty of many sins. For the sin of this one man, Adam, caused death to rule over many. But even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of righteousness for all who receive it will live in triumph over sin and death through this one man, Jesus Christ. Ephesians 2, 8, and 9 say, God saved you by his grace when you believed, and you can't take credit for this. It is a gift of God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done so that none of us can boast about it. So why are we hesitant to receive God's gift, God's grace? Control. We lose control um, because the normal rules don't apply, and what we understand doesn't apply. It's not the normal way. I'll talk about that in just a minute. Again, it creates intimacy with God, a being that we can't understand nor control. Are there strings attached Is there something, we're not used to receiving something for nothing. Um, And it isn't for nothing, but he paid that price. It sounds sketchy. It sounds too good to be true. And again, we have this independent streak. I don't know if it applies to the rest of the world, but it surely applies to America. Our society doesn't, we don't do grace very well. It's not built into our society. Grace is not. Um, we have the, you have to stand up for your rights. We're, we're not used to being given things without having to fight for them and to stand up for them and make sure you get them. Our government has a justice department, but it doesn't have a grace department. <laughs> uh, in fact, we have... And I understand the implications of this, but we have a problem putting a person in jail, putting the wrong person in jail for a crime, not just because that wrong person has to do a, do time for a crime they did not pay, but also if you get into a discussion with this, somewhere with someone about this, somewhere in there will come up, but the person who committed the crime is walking around free. And that really, really bugs us. And I understand why, because they might have a tendency to do that crime again. But what if they don't? What if they just committed the one crime, and they were done, and they're free? That really bothers us, to have somebody walking around who should be, should be in jail, and is not. That really bothers us. We have built into our government a presidential pardon or an amnesty, where the president can give out a pardon to anybody at any time for anything. Well, not for anything. He can't be paid for it. But from what I gather, presidents have to be very careful with this and not just willy-nilly go around with pardons because 
It's just not how things are done. It's not the normal way. But God wasn't careful. And God isn't careful. He does go around willy-nilly throwing out grace. And he died on the cross before any of us had done anything, had received anything. And he just, even when we reject him, he keeps trying He keeps giving us grace. He doesn't put his ticket back in the wallet and go on about his business. Um, He keeps trying. Uh, Hebrews 4, verse 16 talks about going boldly before the throne of grace. This verse always confuses me because when I'm needing grace, I'm feeling anything but bold. I don't go before the throne of grace very boldly by, by my nature. But the scripture tells us, to boldly go before his throne, and we can find that grace to help in time of need. So if you could all stand, we're going to close by reading a scripture together. James 1, verse 17, and uh, then Rachel can come. Uh, Let's read it together. Whatever is good and perfect is a gift coming down to us God our Father, who created all the lights in the heavens, he never changes or casts a shifting shadow. So when God offers you a gift, please, please take it.